Good morning, everyone. This is Pastor Troy Baum with the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies with our first class of 2008, if you're with us live. It's good to, to uh, have you here today on a day that God has made and a year that God has made, a great year for me of anticipation and expectation of the things that God wants to do. I know God did some tremendous things. We had a 100, I believe, in 20 classes in 2007, and that was only about half the year. We started in May of last year, and here we are if you're listening to us live um, in the January, what is it today? January the January the second of two thousand and eight for our very first class, uh, class one hundred and twenty one, I guess it would be of two uh, in two thousand and eight. And so I'm glad that everyone is here. I hope you had a tremendous uh, 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 Christmas season and a great New Year, and that God just blessed you. We're also entered into a season of fasting and prayer. So if you're joining us for the very first time. This is the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies. And this is an outreach ministry of Raven Ministries International. Raven Ministries International is a ministry that is all about restoring a vision and evangelizing nations. Our hope and our desire and our passion is to go out into all the world and preach the gospel. We know that that's accomplished through equipping the saints for the work of the ministry through the study of God's word and enable them and empower them to take that message of the gospel out to the lost and dying world and to preach uh, freedom and deliverance to the captives and to see the power of God made manifest in hearts and lives. And so, thank you so much for joining us. If you want more information on Raven Ministries, you can go to our website, which Deb is going to put up on the screen at www.biggrace.com, and you can find out more about the ministry of Raven Ministries. But we're here Monday through Friday, uh, typically from 9 a.m. until 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. We'd love for you to be here with us during the season of fasting and prayer here at the open the, the the month of January, we're also going to be live doing a live prayer and intercession each night from nine to ten p.m. Uh, Eastern Standard Time uh, for an hour of, of prayer. And so, if you have a prayer requests or anything you'd like us to lift up uh, to the Lord Jesus with you, Deb's going to put that pray at biggrace.com. Pray at biggrace.com will be there and send your prayer request in. And we'd love to just stand with you in agreement with prayer and believing God for miracles. We're already getting reports back in, and I'm believing by the end of uh, this, this season of prayer and fasting, man, we're going to see God just doing some tremendous, tremendous things. So let us know how we can stand with you in prayer and in faith, believing God to just do some tremendous things in your life, your church, your ministry, your family, whatever it may be. And we just want to kick off this new year, really just consecrated unto God and dedicated to His Word and His power. If you notice some people that aren't back with us yet, uh, uh, that that haven't came back after this this holiday break, be sure to get on the email, email them, tell them, hey, we're, we're back in the saddle, we're back in class, and love to have you back with us as well. So if you're joining us for the very first time, we're so glad that you're here. Good to see everyone here. Good to have uh, Sister Cindy Robinson back. Cindy was uh, is right here in, in Daytona Beach, but she's been out visiting friends and family for the last few days. Good to have you back, Cindy. We've missed you so, so much. So let's go to the Lord in prayer and just believe God for just a... To, to kick off 2008 and just to take us deeper and further into a higher level of this commitment to His Word and to Him and just to see the evidence in our life in a greater way. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank You for this day. Lord God, we thank You for the opportunity once again, Father, to start off a new year, Lord God, in a new way. We thank You that Your Word tells us, Lord God, that You're going to do a new thing. And we know that Your mercies are brand new every single morning. And Lord God, we are so grateful, Lord God, for the time that we got to spend in the Word in 2007. Lord God, but we know this is 
a new hour of opportunity. This is a new season that you've called us to. Lord God, and we know that our commitment in 2007, Lord God, has nothing for us in 2008. Lord God, all it provided was just a foundation. And Lord God, we've come to build today, Lord God. We've come to be strengthened, Lord God. We've come to be encouraged. We've come to be fed, Lord God. We've, we've come, Lord God, to have your word, Lord God, injected into our lives, Lord God, in a new and fresh way. And Father, we, we don't want a resolution. We don't want to make a resolution and try to be resolute in our own hearts and our own abilities, Lord God. But we want the revelation, Lord God, in 2008 uh, of your word, Lord God, of your spirit, of your voice, Lord God. Father, to be something that just literally dominates our heart and mind. Father, we want the power of God to be made manifest in us. We want to study to show ourselves approved unto God, Lord God, rightly dividing the word of truth, workmen who need not be ashamed, Lord Jesus. And Father, we know to get that, we've got to hunger and thirst, Lord God, after righteousness, Lord God. We want to be like that deer that pants after the water brook, Lord God. We want to desire your word and we want to eat your word. We want to get into your word like never before. We want it to saturate us, Lord God. We want it to transform us. We want it to empower us, Lord God, in a new and greater dimension. Father, I pray for those that may have struggled, Lord God, even in their studies and their commitment to the Word in 2007. Father, I declare upon them right now in Jesus' name, this is a new hour of opportunity, Lord God. You're looking for those that are willing to press, Lord God. Those that are willing to, to push, Lord God. Those that are willing to dig in, Lord God, and, and willing to trust You and believe You in all things, Lord Jesus. I'm praying, Lord God, for the mind of Christ, Lord God, over all of those, Lord Jesus, that would study Your Word in 2008. Lord God, that You'd cause that, that their, their minds to be like a steel trap Lord God. Their hearts would be like a reservoir, Lord Jesus. You would cause revelation, Lord God, as the Spirit of God comes into their life to lead and guide them into all truth. And Father, we pray for our friends, Lord Jesus, in, in Pakistan today, Lord God, our pastor friends that, that download these messages, Lord God, that the nation is such an unrest, Lord God, with the assassination, Lord God, of uh, former Prime Minister Bhutto, Lord God. And we pray, Lord God, for these, these pastors, Lord God, that because of their stand for Jesus and this, this nation, Lord God, that's dominated by, by the nation of Islam, Lord God, and the Islam Islamic regimes, Lord Jesus, and in false religion. We pray, Lord God, that they would stand fast in 2008, that your testimony, Lord God, would be evident in their life, that your power, Lord God. Father, they'd be like the, the troublers, Lord God. They would be those that turn cities upside down. Lord God, in Islamabad and in places throughout Pakistan, Lord Jesus, that you would raise up men and women of faith, Lord God, to stand in power and authority, Lord God, that you would turn back, Lord God, Father, those that would stand against them, and let them be a voice, Lord God, in that nation in this very late hour, Lord Jesus. We pray for those pastors, Lord God, that they would not faint, Lord God, in this hour of adversity, Lord God, even as they're being sifted like wheat, Lord God, but you would increase their faith, Lord God. Father, you'd bring joy unspeakable and full of glory. You'd protect them, Lord God, and keep them, Lord God, as they go forth proclaiming your word. And we thank you for them. We thank you for all of our, our friends and guests, Lord God, literally from all over the world that join us here on a daily basis, that you would just fill them, Lord God, with understanding that you'd cause them, Lord God, to be the spark of revival in their churches, in their communities, in their families, and in their nations. Nations, Lord God. And you said, Lord God, ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance, Lord God. Father, that is my prayer for 2008, is for the nations, Lord God. Father, take us into more nations, take us into more homes, take us into more lives, Lord God, as we preach your gospel, Lord God, with a reckless abandon, Lord God, with a determination, Lord God, to see more people saved, Lord God, and transformed because of the blood of Jesus, Lord God. And all these things, we give you glory. We just ask you to bless this teaching today. Father, cause it to get in our heart, Lord God. Cause it to be something that, that moves us, motivates us, Lord God. God, transforms us, Lord God, through your love, Lord God, through your power, through your spirit, Lord God, through this illumination of your word in our life. And all these things, Lord God, we give you thanks and glory in Jesus' name. That's my firecrackers going off for the new year. Amen, 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 and amen. Who's that? Holly is. Well, we'll pray for Holly right now. She is in the hospital with chest pains. 
Holly is Pastor uh, Alex's wife. And so we're just going to take just a second here on live to, to pray for her. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, Lord God, we just pray for Sister Holly, Lord God. We don't know exactly what the situation is. Uh, Cindy and Sue are just telling us that she is in the hospital. And Father, we just pray for her right now. Father, we just ask, Lord God, that, that, that whatever is attacking her will be arrested right now in the name of Jesus, Lord God. There would, there would be no complications, Lord God, no issues, Lord God, that in Jesus' name that we cast out all fear, Lord God. Anything that's, that's causing her any uh, uh, discomfort, Lord God, anything that's coming against her, Lord God, we rebuke it right now in the name of Jesus, Lord God. And we, we proclaim healing, Lord God, because of the cross of Calvary over Sister Holly, Lord God, right now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen, 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 and amen. All right, folks. Prior to taking our holiday break from uh, from our teaching in the book of Romans, we would made it through verse 29 of the book of Romans. So if you've got your, your Bibles this morning, turn to, to Romans chapter uh, chapter 8, verse 30. And really, this uh, uh, the, this 29th verse of this, this powerful, powerful chapter of Scripture, I've said on probably more than one occasion that the revelation that the Holy Spirit uh, brought to me on a personal level regarding uh, Romans chapter 8 has truly served as the cornerstone probably of everything else in my life and ministry in, in regards to just getting victory over the sin nature. And, and I hope that you, in these weeks that really, really we studied, I, I guess at least a couple weeks so far on Romans chapter 8, and it really demands that, probably two and a half, three weeks possibly, it really demands that to, 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 to get that level of understanding on it. And so I'm hoping that you're, you're getting a hold of Romans chapter 8 and it's going to be something that really gives you a revelation of Jesus and, and just brings great victory in your life. And I'm, I'm really, folks, I'm convinced even more so in 2008 that, that if one would just simply take the time to sink their teeth, their spiritual teeth, into this chapter of Scripture alone and, and just allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart from it, that the, the, the victory and the power that you see seek in your life and in your walk with Jesus would really soon be realized, that you'd see that the manifestation of those things. So this morning, we're once again uh, tackling one of the most powerful and encouraging verses in this text, and it is verse 30. And so I want to read verse 30 to you of Romans chapter 8. Here's what it says. It says, Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, he also justified, and whom he justified, those he also glorified. Folks, listen, I'm, I, I'm gonna re- I want to read that one more time because there's so much in that that we're going to get out of it today and extract from the Word of God and hopefully to see it uh, in, implanted in your heart and your mind and your spirit today. But he said, moreover, or he's, he's, he's bringing us to a place of, of, he said, I want you to listen. He said, because there's something that's coming for you. He said, moreover, whom he, speaking of, of, of God, did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, he also justified, and whom he justified, he also glorified. That, that phrase where he says, moreover, over whom he did predestinate, and you can write this down in your notes. That's the first thing we're going to tackle. It is not meant to address certain people who were selected to be saved, or uh, uh, and some who were pre-selected to be lost. But rather, it, it points back to that previous verse that, that established that, but that by their free will, or those having their uh, the eyes of their understanding enlightened, according to Ephesians one uh, eighteen, have been predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ Jesus. And so, folks, what is so powerful about this statement is just how it demonstrates the infinite mercy that God. God has for His creation, that He has made a way for us to return to that place that He had originally destined for us to be in. And that's what God wants to, wants to show us today and God wants to bring into our life. 
And so, and so what's happening, folks, is listen, God is showing us, listen, He has such a desire to, to see us brought back to that place that He has for us, to bring us to that, that, that realization, that revelation of who He is and what He desires in our life. And so, Ephesians 3, 11 and 12 says this. Ephesians chapter 3, 11 and 12. And it says, God, it says, according to the eternal purpose which He purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of Him. And so, folks, listen. God's predestined plan for us is what He calls that eternal purpose. And so, and, and this eternal purpose is realized when our free will is suddenly activated or enlightened, as Ephesians 1 8 puts it, so that we have boldness and access and confidence by faith in Him. And so, if I want that to be, uh, if I want my understanding to be uh, enlightened, I've got to come and allow it to be uh, activated through the agency of grace and through faith towards Him. And so, that opens me up to that free will to bring me into that place that, that He has predestined me for, that place that He is established for all of His creation. So folks, I, re- I hope that you remember that we have learned in previous classes that we are born literally dead in the trespasses of our sin. Ephesians 2.1 tells us, and it says, uh, it says that, that we are born and in, in dead in, in the trespasses of our sin, that we have no ability, no hope, but God through that, that agency of the, the Spirit of God and through grace has come in and He opens up that window of enlightenment to us that we can receive Him. And Ephesians 4.18 tells us that our understanding was darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in us because of the blindness of our hearts. And so, folks, listen. Before the, the Spirit of God came through, the, through grace and activated our free will, listen, our understanding was totally darkened. And you may see this many times, especially you folks that, that go out and, and witness on the streets or in your communities. You talk to people who Sometimes you talk to them and it's almost like there's, there's no light that's on. And maybe you said that. It's like somebody's home, but there's, there's no light on. I see them, but there's, this, there's no revelation. And this past weekend, uh, we, we prayed in the, the new year, uh, this, this past Monday night, and immediately afterwards we hit the streets of our city out in front of the nightclubs, and we were out till about 4, 4.30 in the morning. And there were some people that, man, you could just see, man, the Spirit of God would, would move upon them, and they were enlightened. Their, their understanding was up. And there's some that had hardened their hearts. It was, it was almost like there was just a darkness upon them. You'd, you'd share the Word with them, and just darkness was there. It's like you, you look into their eyes, and there's just a deadness. And folks, listen, before we came to Christ, that was what was in every single one of our hearts and lives. There was a deadness. There was no ability to do righteousness. There was no, there was no free will to choose righteousness. Everything that came out of our life was death. And sin, uh, Psalms 51 says, I was conceived in my mother's womb. And in sin it begot sin, and the wages of sin is always death, it's always darkness, it's always eternal damnation. But that God, here's what's interesting about that, and here's what's powerful about what He's saying, that he, who He's predestined, He is also called, and, and whom He's called, He's justified. Who He justified, He's also glorified. God in that plan, He made a plan that He could activate that free will that Adam and Eve knew before the fall. You see, that's why Adam and Eve were able to fall. People say, well, if God knew they were going to fall, why? Because He created them in, in, in His perfect plan to have a free will. Folks, part of perfection is a free will. God does not want people to, to walk around as, as spiritual robots. God wants us to choose. God wants us to, 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 to call upon Him. God wants us to desire after Him. But what happened when Adam and Eve fell, our desire, our ability to have a desire towards God was, 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 was destroyed. And what we began to do is we walk, uh, Cease to walk in the ability to, to seek after God, and we begin to only seek after the sin nature. So we became a 
slave to who we were. But when Christ Jesus came, He said He's come to make us free, to, to set us free from the law of sin and death. That the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from those things. So we can choose Him. We can choose life. We can walk in victory. We can, we can, uh, we can reject sin. We can reject the, the bondages of this world. And so, uh, when, when Adam and Eve fell, that, that ability to choose that was, was literally wrested from them because of their sins and really was not truly realized again until the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ Jesus. And so the activator to that free will is, is and always will be God's grace. And so when God's grace comes in, and, that, and we talked about her, that divine influence upon the heart that really produces a reflection back out of that life, or it's the influence of the Holy Spirit that opens the eyes of our understanding for a momentary glimpse into the righteousness of God in order to bring us to repentance and faith towards God. And so when, when Christ Jesus uh, uh, comes to us through, through grace and mercy, what He does, He gives us a glimpse into that predestined place She has for us. And so we see the righteousness of God. And so what that should do, if, 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 if we're willing to repent, is bring us to that place of, of, of faithfulness to Him. Bring us to that place of, of emptying ourselves and decreasing and say, God, you know what? I don't, I don't have any way, any hope, any life apart from You. But what's interesting, John 6.44 says this. It says, No man can come to Me, speaking of Jesus, except the Father which has sent Me draw him. Nobody, folks. Yeah, uh, one day we're not going to wake up and say, you know what, I think I want to try God. Jesus is going to be a good idea. I know many people that have done that. They said, you know what, things in my life are going bad. I think I'm going to try this religion thing. I'm going to think I'm going to try this Jesus thing. You meet them six months, a year later, and they're all disgruntled. Why? Because they, they tried to try God. They weren't drawn by the Spirit of God and allowing the, the, their understanding to be enlightened. They're, they weren't allowed to, to look into the glimpse of that destiny that God had for them. Basically, what they were doing is trying to find their, their way out of their circumstances not to find a way out of themselves. And folks, listen, Jesus didn't come to change your circumstance. He came to change you in the midst of your circumstance. Your circumstance may never change. You may never have your best life now. You, you may, never, may never walk in the possessions of the things that you desire. You may not be able to claim everything that you name. But that's not the reason that He came. He came to draw you unto Himself. He came to give you a life that transcends what you see, what you say, what you go through, what you have to experience. He came to draw you. And this drawing is that helkuo in the Greek, which is to be impelled literally by an inward power. And it's, it, it, it's, it's when He draws me, it's impelled. There's something that pierces me. There's something that opens me up. There's something that exposes me, literally like the scalpel in a, in a, in a, in a surgeon's hand. It, it opens me up and it, and it draws me. It's an inward power. And it's that exact same draw that you'll find in John 12, 32. That Jesus said, If I be lifted up from the earth, Speaking of the, the of the cross, he said, "Then I will draw men to me. That I will impel you. I will pierce you through. I will open up your heart. I will draw you from an, uh, an inward conviction that's going to do something in your life." And it's the same uh, drawing that you see in, in John twenty one six when Jesus called Peter and, and Andrew off the the fishing boats and said, "I'll make you fishers of men." And it, and it says they cast their their their, their nets into it. And they drew out fish. He was saying, "Listen, that same drawing that drew you, I'm going to use you to go out and." Speak that word and to allow the Spirit of God to move through you according to 1 Thessalonians 1.5 and to draw 
draw men to me, to lift up my name, to go out and preach the gospel and to, to tell people about my, my kingdom and, and the hope in me and if they would repent that, that, that I'll come into their life and I'll change and transform them. And so, uh, uh, and so this drawing, folks, literally it serves to activate the free will and to, and to activate the boldness and to activate the confidence to say yes, literally, to that predestination that God has established for whosoever would come as a result of this drawing out. And so that's what that is. It's the activation to walk into that predestination. And so, folks, I don't know about you, but I want to be to that place that God has determined for me from the foundations of the world. When God reveals that to me, I don't want to say, God, I don't want to through an act of my own rebellion, through an act of my own will. I don't want to reject that. Or, God, when you bring me to a place of enlightenment, you bring me to a place where my understanding, the, the eyes of my understanding are opened, according to Ephesians 1.18, that I can begin to see those things that you had promised to me before the fall. And, Lord God, as the Word says, I want to choose life, and I want to come to you. I want to call upon you while you are near. And so, that from the time, literally, folks, that He called out uh, uh, Adam, literally after the fall. And I don't even know if you realize this, but that call started then. It started in, in Genesis 3.9, where Adam hid himself. And he said, where are you? He was calling him out then. Folks, from the very second that man walked into darkness, God began to call them out. And it's that, been that beckoning call literally for every single one of us for the ages. And I want you to know that in this, in this new year that we have, that God is calling people out. God is calling the sinner. God is calling the broken. God is calling the prostitute. God is calling the rebellious. God is calling the religious. God is calling the, 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 those that are bound by false religion. God is calling those that are, that are, uh, 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 in drugs. God is calling those that are child God is calling those that are that are full of themselves and prideful and unforgiving. God is calling them out of their darkness into light. And He has given us a voice to call. He's calling out your friends. He's calling out your co-workers. He's calling out your family in this year. Do you hear what I'm saying? He's calling them out to that place that he, I believe that He's predestined. And he is, He's got a sickle literally in His hands. And He sent us out to gather those harvests. And why do I say in His hands? Because the Word says that He has inscribed us on the palms of His hands. Folks, listen. We are that sickle that God is using to call out folks in these last days, to call them out of their rebellion, to call them out of their darkness, to call them into that place of enlightenment through the Spirit of God. And so even though it began right there in Genesis 3.9, folks, listen, it, co- it co- continues on to Genesis, uh, excuse me, Revelation 22.17. And here's what it says in, in Revelation 22.17. And it says, And the Spirit and the bride say what? Revelation 22.17. It says, The Spirit and the bride say Come, and let him that hears say, Come, and let him that is thirsty come, and whosoever will, let them take of the water of life freely. Folks, listen. He said, whosoever will. He's wanting, he's calling us out to come. And that will is that thelo, T-H-E-L-O in the, in the Greek, and it means to, to delight in something. To, so for whoever delights in the Lord, he said, come. Whoever delights in the Lord, if you're thirsty, I want you to come and drink. And so it's like David said in Psalms 40 and 8, and he said, I will delight to do your will. And so when we begin to come to that place and, and God enlightens our understanding and brings us to that place of, of where we're pursuing passionately the victory that God has for us and that 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 that, that destination, that predestination that, that He has established for whosoever would come, what happens? Then we begin to delight ourselves in the will of God. Let me ask you this. Did you delight in the will of God in 2007? Or was the will of God drudgery to you? When God spoke to you and He said, this is what I want you to do, did you say, okay, God, I'm going to do it. 
But I'm just going to do it because I have to do it. How many times did you really find yourself doing that? When God spoke to you and He said, this is my will for you. This is what I, my plan for you. This is the, what, I've, what I've established for, me, for you. And this is what I desire to see happening in your life. But, it, but instead of delighting in it and saying, God, thank you so much for, for calling me to, for this time and for this season to do what you've called me to do and to be who you've called me to be and to endure what you've called me to endure, that you found yourself fighting against the will of God. Folks, listen, I'm, I'm praying and hoping and, and believing that in 2008 you'll begin to delight yourself in the will of God. That you'll be that one that He speaks of in, in Revelation 22:17. That the, as the bride says, come. And, and as you hear, you'll say, come. And you'll be thirsty and you'll, you'll come. And you'll be a part of that whosoever will. And you'll come to that place that God has for you. Folks, listen, I, I want to say this to you. Do you not know that it is the goodness of God? It is that activation through God's grace that pries open, literally. And sometimes we have to think of it in those terms. They came to pry open that locked gate of the unbelieving heart that we had and leads us to repentance. It leads us to a place of renewing our minds. Folks, it's God's goodness. It's not your goodness. It's not even our, our willingness. God's, God's goodness comes and it literally pries open that door that was welded shut by, by, by a fallen nature. It pries it open and it allows the light to come in. And you know what it's like? It's like being in a darkened room without windows. And somebody suddenly comes and they crack the door open. And you see from the top to bottom, you see a line form where that light is. And you say to yourself, man, suddenly that, there's, uh, that light is broken through in the darkness. And suddenly there's, a, there's, a, there's an illumination that causes you to want to go to the light. Folks, listen, that's exactly what the Spirit of God does to us. He has come because of His goodness. He's come because of that activation of grace. And he's, call, he's calling us out of the darkness. And see, you may be saved today, but still walking and still groveling around in darkness, still looking for that victory. Folks, listen. Today is the day. Today is the day to literally not just walk in in just a beam of light, but to walk literally to allow God to fulfill you and to allow the light of the gospel, according to John chapter 1, to be the light of men and and to be that city that is set on a hill and to be that that light. And the Word says that you are the light of the world, that a city set on a hill should not be hidden. and, And you don't take a candle and put it under a bushel basket. Let's take that light, that bushel basket off the light. Let's take the flesh, literally is what that's likened to, off of our light and allow that illumination of God's presence to come out of our life like never before in this coming year that we face. And so, folks, listen, I I want you to get it in your heart that there is an open opportunity, literally, for all to come and be a part of God's plan of predestination. Because Jesus said in John 7.37, if any, somebody say any, if any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. So folks, listen, it is that any man, any time, any person, any way to come to that place. And so you, if you're a believer and you're with us today, if you're listening to us, and, and, and you said to yourself, you know what, God, it just seems like other people are... Folks, listen, what God has done for one, He'll do for another. God is, 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 is stretching forth His grace and mercy and goodness, literally, throughout the ages. And God is calling you out of your darkness. God is calling you out of, 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 of that place of bondage. God is calling you out of that, that feeling of inadequacy. And He is challenging us, each and every one of us, I believe, to step to a higher height and to see a greater realization of everything that God has for us. He says, in verse 30, He says, Moreover, whom He did predestinate, them He also Called. And so God has, has set this destiny for every single one of us. He said, this is the prescription. This is my hope. This is my, the perfection of my desire. And He said, not only have I set that out there 
You know what it's really like? It's like me saying, you know what, I want to go and I want to sneak around and I want to be build Melanie, this, this lovely house of her dreams. And I go out and she don't know I'm ever building it. And I just go build it. And I'm hoping that one day she's just going to stumble over that property. That's why people think so many times about the kingdom. And so would she ever be able to realize that dream if I built it? And see, the Word of God says this. It says He told His disciples, He said, listen, I go to prepare a place for you. That in my, he said, in my Father's house there's, there are many mansions. And He said, I'm going to come again unto you. And He said, not only did I go build a place for you, but He said, I'm going to come. And so, folks, listen, whom He did predestinate, whom He built something for, He established a plan for, He's also going to call you to that plan. Do you hear what I'm saying? He's not just going to say, well, I, I hope they get it. And you know, I hear people all the time, and I was dealing with a young man yesterday, that said, you know what, I'm, he, he was bound by the spirit of homosexuality. And he said, you know what, if God wants to set me free, he's going to do it. No, God has bought the plan and he's called him out of that. And so God didn't just say, well, there's a freedom here, but there's no calling. Even God gave us the greatest example of calling us out of our darkness when He sent His Son Jesus to come and to be that light in a darkened world. He called us out. And so, it, for moreover whom He did predestinate, them He also called. And that phrase, them He also called, has a twofold meaning. And I want you to put number one. Them He also called has a twofold meaning. And number one, and I want you to know this, and we talked, touched on it a little bit this morning already. It is a call for all times and for all people. And we've got to understand that in regards to the Word of God. It is a call for all times and for all people. 2 Peter 3.9 3, says this. 2 Peter 3.9 says this. It says, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise. His promise is what? His promise is that place that He has predestinated for us. As some men count slackness, but His long-suffering to us were not willing, okay, that any... Okay, should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Okay, God is not slack concerning His promise, that place that He has for us, as some men count slackness. Or in, in, that some men would think that, listen, he's not, He didn't die for everyone. That His atonement was limited. That His call wasn't a universal call. And so, 2 Peter 3.9 is saying, listen, that's not the case, folks. His call, He's not willing that anyone should perish. That's not His desire. That's not His prescription. That's not what God wanted. But that, that any should perish, but that every single person would come to repentance. So, folks, listen. When, when Peter makes this statement under literally that, that Theonustos, under that God-breathed revelation of what the Holy Spirit was speaking to him, that, that he's saying, listen, the, the, the Lord is not willing that anyone should perish. And this willing that he uses is a word meaning that it wasn't his original intention. And so God's original intent was never... Folks, for anybody to go to hell. It wasn't for anybody. So people would say, well, how could God send some... That, that's not God's intention. That may be the destiny. That may be the place that people go as a result of their rebellion against God's will or, or, or God's willingness to activate our desire or, or our, our free will to come and choose righteousness. But listen, God's call to every single one of us was a, a call for all times. And it's a call that says this. It says, my original intent... And, and remember, folks... He is the Lord God and He does not change. And it says, My original intent was that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So folks, listen, God's intention was not that Adam would fall, not that untold billions would, would spend eternity separated from Him, but God's original intent was that all would come to Him, that, that even after the fall, even when He called Adam out of, of His hiding place in Genesis 3.9, He said, Where are you? 
And all the way to right there in Revelation 22, uh, uh, 17, when, he, when, he's, when he's given that, that last beckoning call in the, in the last of the, of the age, he said, my intention for you, and he said, I'm impelling you. He said, I've come to pierce you and to, to speak to you from the inside is that everybody would come. And folks, listen, that ought to change us. And so it's that, that call to repentance, the call of ages, folks, is to come. It's the, to the broken, he says, to come. To the bound, he says, to come. To the prostitute, he says, to come. To the hungry, he says, to come. To the hopeless, he says, to come. To the homosexual, he says, to come. To the, to the religious, he says, to come. To the fearful, he says, to come. And so every single one of us, the, the voice literally from from, from the, 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 the foundations of time is to come, to come, to come, to come, to come to me. Why? That He might give us drink. That He might quench the thirst of the thirsty. That He might bring hope to the hopeless and deliverance to those that are in, in captivity. So that is the, the predestined or the determined path that God has for anyone that would just dare call upon the name of the Lord. And, and so it's for anybody. And so the, the number one, it's a, it's a call for all times and for all people. In Romans 2.11, don't forget this. And I know it was weeks and weeks and months ago. He says, for there is no respect... Of a person in God. And so for some people to say, listen, I just guess, for, for me, it was just, I'm just destined to, to go to hell. I'm just destined to be rebellious. You know, people used to say, you know, just born to lose. No, folks, listen. Well, you, you, every single one of us may have been born losers, but man, we can be born again winners and predestined to come into that place that God has determined for us from the foundations of the world. Because John 6.37 says this, Him that comes to me, he said, I will in no wise cast out. I don't care where you've come from. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what your past or your history was. I don't care what your struggles with. If you will come to me, he said, there's no way that I'm going to cast you out. Matthew 22, 14, though, says this. Many are called, though. Why? Because whom he did predestinate, he did call. Many are called, it says. Matthew 22, 14. But few are chosen. So, folks, listen, that call is universal. But why is it in the midst of a universal call there's so few chosen? I'm going to answer that today. And it's a universal call to a place that He is predestined. But He said this in Matthew 11:28. He said, Come unto Me, there's that word come again, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. There are so few chosen folks because there are so few that will actually come. Okay? Do you hear me? The reason that there are so few chosen it's that there's so few that are willing to come. And so he says, if you come to me, I will not cast you out. And you think, man, why is there so much evil? Why is there so much wickedness? Why are there so few people coming to the Lord, so to speak? It, 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 or, or so few people chosen, so people walking in the destiny. It's because so few people are really coming to Jesus. And so I've got to ask you the question then. Why are there so few people coming? We know why there's so few people chosen. Because there's so few people coming. And so why are there so few people coming to Jesus? Have you thought about that? Why is that? What would be your answer? Why are there so few people coming to Jesus? We know that few people are chosen because few are coming. So why are there so few people coming? I'm glad you asked the question. I'm going to give you the answer. You'll find it in the Gospel of Luke, the 14th chapter, verse 23. Luke 14, 23. Luke 14.23 And he said, And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into all the highways and hedges and compel them to come that my house may be filled. I guess you could actually say, 
and, and, and the Lord Jesus said, go out and preach the gospel and compel them to come that they might walk in the revelation and the activation of that predestination that I have for them. You could actually say that. So folks, listen, the, the reason that so few are chosen is because so few are coming. And the reason that so few are coming is because so few are being compelled to come. That word compelled, literally, and write this down, you, 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 you'll, you'll need this. Write it, write it in your Bible next to that verse. To compel means to drive. It means to do something, to necessitate something. It means to use force. It means to threaten. Do you hear me? It means to drive, to necessitate, to use force, or to threaten. There, there's been such a, a, a digression from that compelling nature of the gospel over the last few generations. And you know, we, we've seen the, the whole seeker-sensitive approach. We've seen all these things. And, we, and I read a few weeks ago, Bill Hybels, basically their, 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 basically their experience. And he said, our, our, our approach... Because it was non-threatening, it was non-forceful. He said, we've really failed. He said, we look back 10 years later after this, this, this 20, actually 20-year experience with the, the Willow Creek Association and this non-threatening type thing. And he said, there's such a, 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 a uh, non-urgency in people and there's such a dissatisfaction on those that we thought were our spiritual leaders. He said, because we approached it with such a non-threatening and non-forceful thing. Folks, listen. I met a young man on the streets just the other night. And this was a young man out in front of a... This was on New Year's Eve after we had prayed in the New Year and God had moved mightily. We went out there and it was probably 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. And he was standing there and, and I handed him a, a gospel track. Began to talk to him and he said, don't even. And I said, what do you mean don't even? And he said, don't even. My dad is a, is a pastor. And so I, and I just began to talk to him. I said, so you think you got a free ticket because your dad's a pastor? I said, I have children. They don't have a free ticket. And their dad's a pastor. Their dad's a preacher of the gospel. And so I just began to talk to him as he stood there. And, and the Lord revealed to me that he was bound by a spirit of homosexuality. And so I called him out on it. And I said, so you're bound by homosexuality, aren't you? And he said, well, ask the Navy. And he was evidently he was enlisted in the United States Navy. And I said, I don't need to ask the Navy. I said, because the Holy Spirit's always said. I said, the Navy, it's a don't ask, don't tell. And I said, but in the kingdom, that doesn't work. I said, because God's going to tell on you. And so I just began to talk to him. And so he, he listened to me and he ended up going back inside the club. Later on, he came back out and I stopped him again. And this crowd of people, and I grabbed him by the hand. And I said, young man, I want to tell you, the, the reason that I, I've said this is because I don't want you to go to hell. And I said, but the lifestyle that you're in right now, I said, you know this, if your dad's a pastor and he's ever preached the gospel, that you've heard it. And I said, listen, you are, you are entering into to a lifestyle and you're in a situation that will doom you to eternal separation from God. And I said, that's not okay with me. I ended up talking to him a little bit more and he gave him my card and I told him if he'd ever talk. Listen, you know, when, when I tell him that you're, you're going to go to hell, that, that sounds threatening. And yes, it is meant to be threatening. Folks, listen, because I don't want him to perish. I want to compel him. I want to compel him through the, through the truth. And my desire, literally, was to drive him into the kingdom, even if it meant presenting to him the threat of an eternal hell. You hear that? Jude 1, and 23 says this. It says, some having compassion making a difference. It says, others saved with fear. Okay? Pulling them out of the fire, hating, they'll hate their garments that were spoiled by the, that were spotted by the flesh. We've come to this place, we want church literally to be this friendly place. I've heard pastors say, listen, this is a safe place. Listen, if you're walking in unrighteousness, the most dangerous place that you could ever be is in the presence of God. Why? Because the Bible said it's a 
fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. And so listen, we ought to compel them to come to a place of mercy. But if we're not willing to repent, there's there's doom, there's destruction, there's devastation that awaits us. There's a tormenting. There's a certainly certain fiery indignation that awaits those who refuse to come and to repent and allow their lives to be changed and transformed by the power of God. And so listen, folks. Listen, the reason that they're not uh, they're not being chosen is because they're not coming. The reason they're not coming is because we're not going out and compelling them to come. First Thessalonians 1 Thessalonians 1.10 tells us that Jesus came to save us from the wrath to come. Not to give us our best life now. Not to change our circumstances. Not to make everything rosy. Not to cause everything to be good and not to, to, to wipe away all of our circumstances or all the difficulties. No. He, he came to give us the ability to activate something within us. To bring us to that new divine nature that looks at our circumstances and looks at our situations and says, so what? There is something greater inside of me. I've got a greater plan. I'm, I'm seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And I, I know that, that everything that I need, God's going to do. And everything that I need to go through, God is going to bring me through those things. Why? Because there is something compelling to me. And folks, listen. If we genuinely have seen the destiny that God has for us, or that place of predetermination or predestination for both the righteous and the unrighteous, the unrighteous into a destiny of eternal damnation, the righteous to a place of, of eternal life through Christ Jesus, then that should provide us with the compelling evidence literally to, to, to be those who would go and call them to come. Listen, is, is, is the evidence, and I'm speaking to believers here just for a second, is the evidence that God has placed in your life not compelling enough for you to go and tell them to come? Is what Jesus has delivered you from, is it not compelling evidence enough for you to say, listen, I was hopeless, I was dead. Is it not enough to compel you? Is it not enough to, out of necessity, literally to drive you? And if, 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 if even by force, to go out and preach a forceful word, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, but the violent take it by force, to be forceful men and women, to be uh, uh, literally threatening. Threatening to whom? Threatening to the individual? No, threatening to the darkness that surround them. Threatening to the devil. To, to threaten the adversary that you're going to take a spoil for the kingdom of God. You're going to snatch them back from the captivity of darkness and from that sin that nature. Is, it, is, is your salvation not compelling enough? Folks, listen, my, I want my salvation in this coming year to be so compelling that, that, it, that it forces me, it, it drives me to share it with the lost and with the dying. And if your salvation is not that compelling, folks, listen, I, 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 I encourage you to go back and reevaluate your salvation, to go reevaluate your revelation of that predestination that God has for you, the activation, literally, of the Spirit of God within you. And if it's not compelling enough, it's, it's not Jesus enough. It may be religious enough for you, but if it doesn't compel you, if it doesn't open you up and pierce you and empower you through the Spirit of God to go and compel them to come, that His house may be full. Folks, listen, it is not being conformed into His image. That is the reason. The, the reason that few are coming is that very few are actually going. Do you hear me? Few are coming... Because few are actually going. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. Folks, listen. Few are hearing that call because few are going. And few are responding to that call because the body of Christ is not leading a compelling enough life. Hear this. I want to say that again. Few are hearing the call. And even fewer are responding to that call because the body of Christ 
is not living or leading a compelling enough life to have a compelling enough voice when they speak of the urgency of the hour in which we live. And so really you've got to say to yourself, am I living a life and do I have a compelling enough testimony? Is there enough compelling fruit in my life that when people look at me, it compels them and says, you know what, if God could save them, if, if Jesus could change them, man, that is compelling evidence for me. The fruit of their life is a witness to me that Jesus can change and transform everyone. That people can walk in victory. That people can walk in hope. That people can walk in righteousness. That, that, the, that, the, that the life of, of, of someone walking in the Spirit is not this roller coaster ride and and people don't say, don't look at me because I'm always going to fail. No, look at me. Follow me as I follow Christ. You want to see an example of Jesus Christ? Your testimony of 2008 is, yeah, look at me. Look at what Jesus has done in my life. I'm walking in hope. I'm walking in power. I'm walking in victory. Not that old sad sack, false humility thing saying, you know what? I'm just some old poor sinner saved from grace and I'm probably going to mess up. No, I'm probably not going to mess up. I'm probably going to have victory. I, I, I'm most, I, I, most likely I'm, I'm going to overcome. Most likely I'm not going to backslide. Most likely I'm going to, I'm going to have the power of God. Most likely I'm going to go preach the gospel. Most likely I'm going to be obedient. Most likely I'm going to have faith. Most likely I'm not going to get discouraged. Most likely I'm not going to worry. Do you hear me? Rather than most likely I'm going to. Folks, listen, there's nothing compelling about defeat. But there is something compelling about the victory. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. I want to have a faith that transcends the limitations of my inability. And it grabs hold of the ability that God has birthed in me through the, through the regeneration, the depository into my life, through the, 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 the divine nature, through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes! Yes, follow me. Uh, look at me. Be reflective of me as I'm reflective of Christ Jesus through the agency of grace that's came into my life and activated my free will. My free will to say yes. There's no temptation that comes upon you but that which is common to all men. But with every temptation, how many? Every single one. He provides a way of escape. He provides that compelling nature inside of me to walk into that predetermined place, that predestination that He has for me. And folks, listen, I want that to be my testimony in 2008, and I want it to be the testimony of you and all of the body of Christ. Listen, the call is universal, but we have been given, but we who have been given the testimony of Jesus to serve as the means by which people can righteously respond to the activation of the free will by the mechanism of grace have largely, literally cupped our spiritual hands over our mouths of responsibility. And as a result, billions, do you hear me? Billions have been eternally separated from God in the eternal hell into the torments of that because, listen, we have not gone and been that compelling voice of the call to come to that place that they can be chosen. Whoever comes, I won't cast out. But they're not coming because we're not going. Folks, listen, I pray that right here, this, this 30th verse of the book of Romans will, will in, in, in really in, enliven you and enlighten you. The understanding will be open that sees the responsibility that each and every single one of us have to go out and be that compelling voice, to live that compelling life, to have that compelling testimony and that compelling faith to go and bring people to answer the call to come to Jesus. So the call is an all-times call for an all-times people. And number two, this call is giving given to and for something. The call is given to and for something rather than merely to someone. I want to say that again. The call that He is calling out is given to and for something rather than merely to someone. 
The call is given to and for something rather than merely to someone. Romans 8.29 says this. And backing up a verse from where we're at today. It says, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son. Okay? Who he did foreknow, he did predestinate to be conformed to the image. Folks, listen. The call is not just to come, but it's the call to come and be conformed. Do you hear me? The call is not just to come. So long that we've given altar calls and said, just pray this prayer. Do you want to pray this prayer with me tonight? Do you want to say this prayer? Do you want to, do you want, you want to come to Jesus? Folks, listen, you, you can't just come to Jesus just to come to Jesus and say, well, I'm glad He did it. You've got to come to Jesus with the, uh, with the mentality and the desire to be conformed. You're coming to and for something, not just to someone. I can come to Jesus and He's not going to cast me out. I can call upon Him, but I'm, unless I'm willing to come for the purpose that Jesus has described in His Word and determined and predestined for me, listen, there's no salvation that I can answer a thousand altar calls unless I come to and for the confirmation and, and, the, and the compelling transformation in my life. There's no salvation in that. There's no salvation in, create, in, in repeating Christian mantra or, 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 or going through the, the, the calisthenics of Christianity. And I've said many times, you move into a chicken coop doesn't make you a chicken. You can go to church does not make you a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. You can, you can go to that place, but unless you're willing to be changed and transformed and conformed. And so when it says to be conformed, it's that, it's, it's that shumorphos. Sum orphos, and where we get our metamorphosis, and it means to literally to be fashioned or molded or likened unto something else. And so he says, I want you to be conformed to the image of my son. I want you to be fashioned and molded to be like him. We don't get saved, folks, to continue to be like us. We don't get saved to continue to walk after the flesh. We don't get saved in, in order just to, to have a, a, an easy way out on the day of judgment and continue to live like the world. We get changed and transformed. The universal call to come is to come and to be transformed by the blood of Jesus and by the Spirit of God activated in our life through faith. And so literally, this tells, tells us that the sinner is called from something to something. And you can put that down under, in under title number two, number, point number two. The sinner is called from something to something else. He's called from darkness to light. He's called from death to life. He's called from being lost to being found. He's come from, called from hell to heaven. He's called from damnation to eternal life. Do you hear what I'm saying? He's called from a particular place to a certain place. He's called from being one thing to being literally something else. Folks, listen. Most people want to merely come to Jesus and continue to be conformed to the image of this world and walk in the reflection of this world. And in doing so, listen, they will meet the judgment that is coming upon this world as well. The only way that I'm going to meet the, the, the victory that's in Christ Jesus is to be conformed to the image of Christ Jesus. If I'm walking in the reflection of the world, the judgment that is coming upon a fallen world will be the judgment that comes upon me. Do you hear me? And so in 2008, I really encourage you, listen, strive to be conformed to the image of His Son, Jesus. Allow the, 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 the person of Christ to come into you in a powerful way like never before. Folks, listen, the call is to come and to be conformed to the character and the image of Christ through the power of the indwelling Spirit. What I really ask for you to do is say, God, listen, I want you to fill me with your Spirit like never before in 2008. 
Listen, I don't want to just have this, this, this one act play. I just want to have this one hit wonder. Lord God, I want the Spirit of God to come in every single day. I want you to fill me with power. I want you to fill me, Lord God, with urgency. I want you to fill me, Lord God, with the compelling evidence of what you've done in my life. I want to seek you with all my heart, Lord God, that I'll have the, the, the heart and the wherewithal, Lord God, and the urgency, Lord God, and the forcefulness to be a threatening voice, Lord God, to the lost and dying, to threaten, Lord God, conformity to this world, to threaten, Lord God, uh, passivity, Lord God, to a, to a dead church, Lord God, to, to, to threaten, Lord God, the, the rebellious nature, Lord God, of this world. I want to be threatening in these type of things. I want to move from passivity, Lord God, to the aggressiveness in the Spirit of God with the, uh, the sheer determination to walk in, the, in the, the fruitfulness that God has called me to. Moreover, verse 30, whom He did predestinate. Then He also called, and who He called, He also justified. Folks, He'd done all of those things to justify. And literally to be justified is to simply to be declared righteous. That is where we break free literally from that choking grip of condemnation that we talked about in so much detail in verses 1 and 2. That I've been set free. I've been justified by faith in Him. And so I've been declared righteous and there's no more condemnation in my life. There's no more that, 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 that declaration that's been on my life that's, 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 that's always causing me to look inward at myself. But it's causing me to look outward at that one who I want to be reflective of. And so folks, listen. God's desire is not that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, so that all can be declared righteous through faith in the finished work of His Son, Jesus, upon the cross of Calvary. That's that universal call, that all could be declared righteous. Unfortunately, we know that billions, literally, will never be called righteous, because so many of us have failed to be that compelling voice throughout the ages. And so listen, the requirements of this justification, though, are turning from the confirmation of a condemned world and allowing the Spirit of God to cause us to pursue the righteousness of Jesus Christ in every area of our life. Folks, listen. If you're participating in this extended period of fasting and prayer that we're in, listen, I I encourage you. Say, God, what are the areas in my life that are not conformed to Your image? What are the areas, Lord God, that You need to expose in me that are causing me to look too much like me, causing me to, to walk too much in the flesh, that I need, Lord God, to decrease in those. I need to allow Your strength to be made perfect in my weakness. Begin to say, God, do an inventory of my heart and life that I might see those things. Then he goes on to say, and whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. Folks, this is the amazing statement, literally, right here. That last part. Them he, and whom he justified, them he glorified. It, it, you know, I don't know if you see it as amazing, but I think you will in just a second. It should produce faith and hope and expectancy within your heart and the follower believer. Here's the reason for it. This being justified speaks of what's going to happen at the resurrection. Okay, That's what he's telling us. You're, you're justified, but, but you're also glorified. And so he's telling us what is, what is going to happen at that day. That right now, listen, we walk in the, the feebleness of, 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 of the flesh. And that we know in part, and we see in part. But when that which is perfect has come, that which is in part shall be done away with. We know all those things. When we see him, we're going we're gonna to be like him. We're gonna, this old nature and corruption is going to put on incorruption. We know that. But here's what's amazing about that. It's not spoken of. And, and when Paul wrote this, he didn't write it in the future tense. Listen to how he says. He said, he said you he justified, he also glorified. And while it's speaking of what's going to happen... He didn't speak of it in the future tense, but he spoke of it in the past tense, as though it has already happened. 
Folks, listen. If I'm walking in the predestination of God because I've come to Him and through faith... I've, listen, He is speaking as though I've already been glorified. That's why when Paul said, listen, we are seated with Him in heavenly places. Now listen to what Hebrews 12.2 says. Hebrews 12.2. It says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. It says, Looking unto Jesus, the author... Folks, listen, the author says that you're justified. And the finisher, the finisher says that you're glorified. Listen, it's not enough. He's not just saying, listen, you're, I'm, I'm, the, the author, upon my authorship or upon my authority, I'm saying you're justified. But because I'm your finisher, I'm also saying that you're glorified. And so I need to walk, not according to one that's just strictly just hoping for glorification, but I need to walk as one that's walking in glorification. I need to walk in the glorification or the manifestation of God's declaration of glorification of my life right now. And in doing so, what am I going to do? Then it's going to be compelling. Folks, listen, I don't want to be that one that's saying, you know what, it's so bad right now, but one day there's going to be hope. Listen, guys, i got hope right now. Because my, 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 my destiny has already been determined because of my faith in the blood of Jesus, which was activated through my free will choice of Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. Do you hear what I'm saying? And so I, He's authored my, my, my justification, but He's finished my glorification because of my faith in Him. Folks, listen. God did not save you to leave you in a place of constant desperation and hopelessness. He, he said in, in Jeremiah 29, 11, He said, For the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, are thoughts of peace and not evil, to give you an expected end. What is your expected end? My expected end is God has glorified me. That God has spoken, He has declared it, He's finished it, He has said, I've justified you, I've glorified you. He said, I've seated with you, with me, with heavenly places. He said, I've given you feet like hinds feet that you might walk upon those high places. That is the destiny and the place that God has predetermined for me because through faith I've decided to follow after Him. So my expected end is to be glorified. And verse 31 says this, And it says, What shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Okay? What shall we say then to these things? What are those things? When it says these things, these things speak of the trials of this present life. Folks, listen, if I can get a hold of verse 30, you know, I know people say, quote so many times verse 31, or the last half of uh, verse Romans 8, 31. If God be for me, God, who can be against me? They don't even understand what that's saying. What they're thinking is, you know what, if God be for me, then I'm never going to meet any end. You'll hear people that are, that are trying to name it and claim it or blab it and grab it or saying that they're never going to go. They'll say, well, if God's for me, then who can be against me? Nobody's going to ever speak against me. Folks, listen, they spoke against Jesus. That's not what he was saying. He said, what shall we say to these things? What shall I say to the things I have to go through? What shall I say to my trials? What shall I say to my opposition? What shall I say to my persecution? He said, listen, I've been glorified. And if God's been for me, who can be against me? Or who's going to talk me out? Of the compelling evidence. That's literally what he's saying. If God's for me, who is going to ever be able to talk me out of the compelling evidence that's in my heart that says, listen, regardless of what I go through in this life, man, God has got to expect it in. God has got a place for me. God has determined something for me at that day when the, when the trump sounds, when he splits the eastern skies. Listen, folks, if your whole concern is this realm and this world, you have already missed it. Listen, the compelling evidence in our heart ought to constantly be pressing us towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God, which is in Christ Jesus. And so if I'm pressing towards that, what's it going to do? It's going to have the, the evidence. It's going to compel me to walk through the flames, 
through the trials, through the circumstances, and say, listen, God, if God's for me, if God has glorified me, what do I need to sweat those things that are against me, these things in this present life? Folks, we are totally out of time for this very first class, class 121 of Romans, the book of Romans, our study. But we will be back here tomorrow. Listen, and, and, and really, I pray that tonight, even as you spend time fasting and praying the next few days, say, God, I want my testimony to be a compelling testimony. I want my walk to be compelling. You know, you know the fruit of your own life. Is it compelling? Are, are you compelling people to come? Is the fruit of your life, the testimony of your life, uh, souls coming into the kingdom? Folks, listen, if, 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 if salvations aren't following your testimony, you need to say, God, I need a more compelling testimony in 2008 than I had in 2007. Folks, we are out of time today completely. But I'm going to say, just like I said 120 times in, in, in 2007, in 2008, if you'll get into God's Word, God's Word will get into you.